Well, if you turn with me to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Two Timothy chapter three, and just to look at the first five verses, just make sure I've got everything ready. I've got to try to be conscious of time because. I shall have Norma on me back when I get home. She will. Oh, she's very quiet in church. But... <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, having uh, uh, traitors, heady, high minded, uh, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Now, that is what we're seeing in our society today. There's nothing Christian in that passage of Scripture. If you contrast that with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith and, self, uh, and self-control, meekness and self-control as such a contrast. That's what we should be showing in our lives, isn't it? And unfortunately, that's the, that's the country, the world we live in today. And I'd like to speak on the decline of Christianity in the Western world. If you look in chapter 4, just a couple of verses, it says in verse 3, For the time will come and they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And verse 4 says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn to fables. Now when we were in the Methodist church, we had a very evangelical ministry. And he brought many young people to faith. Norma was one of them. But when he left, because they only have a period of four years and then they go, things started to change. We had a man, he was a nice chap, but there was no, no true gospel preaching. And one day, believe it or not, one day, there came a, a preacher from off Malcop, a local preacher, and he preached, you must be born again. And it was like poking a stick in a hornet's nest. Because when he'd when finished, he said, we are not listening to this. We've come here all our life, you know. And I said, I said, Norman, and I thought it's time to leave this church, you know. When the truth of God's word, the words of the Lord Jesus, could cause such a stir amongst people, and that that's what happened. Anyway, recently I, I I've been listening to uh, a lot of police uh, programs. Norma does a bit, but uh, she says it's. Uh, you know, it's too depressing, but you get an idea of what the country's like from what the police tell you, you know. And I was staggered when I heard that this figure, it said 70,000 crimes are committed in the UK, and I'm not sure whether it said in a day or in a week, but either way, 
It's staggering from petty crime right up to more serious crime. And the prisons are full. We've got more people in prison than any country in Europe, and it's been like that for years. We've got... uh, The the society's becoming very, very more violent, and the figure out from the police is that uh, violence against the police has increased by 50% in the last five years. Think nothing of attacking a policeman, you know. No respect or anything like that. And drugs, well, drugs are something else. I mean, the police are just trying to keep a lid on the drugs. But uh, on a lot of these things you hear on the news, it said in Scotland, 1,300 people died last year by taking drugs. And it may be mainly young people. Now, there's something wrong with a society when we've got to have drugs to enable us to live a proper life. You know, there's something missing, isn't it? We know what, what it is that's missing. And then uh, we, 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 they've got a new name to drugs now. It's called County Lines. And what the drug people are doing, they're getting these young lads, you know, 15, 16, paying them quite a lot of money to go into the next county as couriers. And of course, when the police catch them, well... What can they do? They know there's somebody behind them, but they remain anonymous because they're in another county and all that. So that, that's another factor with drugs. And of course, when people take drugs, they've got, to, they've got to pay for that habit so you get more break-ins, don't you? To steal from people. There's 100,000 cars are stolen every year, and they're not cars like you and I drive. They're top of the range, 50,000 and over, and they're shipped into Europe and sold off cheaply. Uh, and that's another th- thing that's going on. And uh, there's a, uh, I was staggered at this one. It said on the news that school lads, teenage schoolboys, are putting obscene messages on their phone and transferring them, uh, uh, transfer them onto phones of, the, of girls as young as 11. That's going on in schools. And knife crime in 2019, there was... Over 14,000 knife crimes, and many of them were fatal. Now, that says to me we're living in a country that's turned away from God completely. In fact, the statistic tells us that 50% 50 of all the population now are atheistic, do not believe. I've encountered some of this when I've been witnessing but, uh, yeah, so that, that's where we're up to. Now, the government, we never hear anything spiritual out of the government. Nothing comes from the government. And now it's changed, because when the war was on, King George VI, the Queen's father, it was a critical time in the war, and he appealed to the church, and he appealed to the government, that we may have a day of prayer and fasting. And it was critical because the German armies were amassed along the, along the channel, ready to cross. And when they had the day of prayer and fasting, something remarkable happened. The channel became so rough for day on day on day. And it wasn't safe to cross with landing craft. And by that time, there was news on the Eastern Front that the Germans had to t- send all the troops over on the Russian side because there was trouble over there and we were spared. How about that? God answered that prayer, I would say. But what has caused the decline? Well, there's one or two, at least two main factors, and one of them is the teaching of atheistic evolution. And we've been told that we've come from a primeval soup to what we are today. 
out of deep time. That means ages and ages beyond, uh, you know, in, in beyond Genesis, if you like. And people have believed it. And it's like the Apostle Paul says, it's science falsely so-called. And it's done a lot of damage from goo to you via the zoo. You know, you understand what that means, from goo to you, but we've, at the zoo, we've been uh, in, in animals and then we've turned to man. But they recently discovered DNA. Now they're trying to unravel DNA and they found how complex it is. And some are saying, this isn't come about by chance. There's got to be a mind behind it. You know, it's so, so complex. But the, t- the damage has been done. You know, they're telling us, they've told people that Genesis is no longer historic. Well, if Genesis is no longer historic, that's the foundation of all that we built on, what the church is built on. But the psalmist said in Psalm 11, what will the righteous do if the foundations are destroyed? And it's foundational teaching you know, that we've got. To, and you know, God has raised up creation ministries. I don't, I, I, you, ought to, you ought to support creation ministries. So these men, scientists across the world, uh, some of them have been evolutionists, they've come out of it. And they're doing a tremendous job. And they say a lot of the arguments that the evolutionists are bringing up, they call them straw men. Because when you, when you confront them with the truth, creation truth, they have no argument. They, they don't know what to say. So that, that's something to bear in mind to support, support that. So, yeah, so uh, that, that, that is one of the main causes, evil, evil, this evolution, uh, evolutionary teaching. But the other factor is humanism. Now, humanists are the intellects, you know, and they say, whoa, we've no need to think about believing in God. Man is God. Look what we've done. We've split the atom. We've put men on the moon. We're putting probes down on Mars and so on and so on and so on. But Isaiah chapter 5 says, there's six woes in Isaiah chapter 5, and one of them is, woe unto them who are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their own thoughts. And so uh, they, they've done a lot of damage. I'll tell you how they've done a lot of damage. They've put pressure on the government and on the education system. And through their pressure, the, the, uh, the law on, on blasphemy has been abolished. Now, you, you couldn't just blaspheme at will the holy name of God, but now you can because it's been abolished, if you're so minded. And the other thing that they've uh, done is they've stopped uh, they've allowed same sex marriage and I remember Pastor David say he said if it ever comes about and it well could that where ministers and pastors if they are approached by a same sex couple they would have to marry them and he says I will go to prison first and I believe him he would he'd go to prison for that and, 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 and then the, the other thing is, in this, uh, in this magazine here, it shows school children, teenagers at school, and there's a school down in, I, I think it's down in London, and it's a, f- a faith school, it's a Jewish school, and in science they were teaching creation. And the government found out and they sent them a mandate and told them to stop it. You're breaking the law. Now, can you believe a country that sent missionaries all over the world 
has come to the point where we can't even teach in schools creation. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing about it is, they said, it's a, you're indoctrinating them. What's evolution doing? It's only a theory. It can't be proved. But you're indoctrinating them. Hey, what a topsy-turvy world we're in, eh? You know. Anyway. But uh, when you come to think about the eastern side of the world, the largely poorer nations, people are dying. They reckon that more pe- Christian people are dying for their faith in these days than any other time in history, and that takes some taking in. When you think what Catholicism did, you know, going back in years. But then, and, and I've just got one thing picture. If you Barnabas, I read the who's read the Barnabas magazine this time, the full magazine. I read it, and you know, it depressed me. It really depressed. There's that much killing going on of Christians. They've been slaughtered all over the world. And here's a picture of 21 Egyptian men in, in orange. And they've, they, they've, they've gone over to uh, uh, Libya to find work for the families. ISIS have found them. They've got them all lined up. And these men in black, ISIS, they've got knives in their hands and they're telling them to recant the faith and become a Muslim and you'll be okay. And not one of them did. And, and they decapitated them. Can you believe such gruesome things are happening in 2021? And well, I know Anne has to read the, we have that little prayer group magazine every morning. It's, it's unreal what's happening. And that's, that, that's, that's what's it. Anyway, just to go off that subject, I was talking to uh, Pastor David uh, some time ago on the phone. We're having a chat. Because I'm nervous, I'm thirsty. And we were saying, you know, we can't, uh, we're not reaching people in the community. And you might say, well, why don't they come to church? Because, you know, we've, uh, we've given literature out, you know, we're here. I wouldn't have come, because uh, I didn't understand it, and I thought I'm going to get into something that I don't know. So it, it isn't that easy for people who are not, who are not used. So, uh, and we were saying, well, what can we do, you know? And we come to the conclusion that only a move of God's spirit can ever bring society and make them aware, you know, this, this total ignorance of what the gospel is. And that's what we were talking about at that point. So, yeah. So, uh, I've, I've, lost me, I've lost my paper now. Oh, here we are, yeah. So, and, and I do believe, I do believe there are people in, in society through ignorance of what the gospel is, and largely due to the, uh, due to the church in general, because there's no, no gospel, proper gospel, it's little homilies, and uh, you hear it sometimes on the television, little homilies and, and uh, love one another. I mean, no, we know love is the greatest, but it isn't only the, the only doctrine in the scripture. And, and do your best, and you'll be okay. But no mention of what Christ has suffered on the cross. It's self, doing it yourself. But we know... What does the Bible say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. Test the conscience to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So we can't do it. And, that, and, and, and there's a great ignorance. And so I've got something to tell you now that you, you might 
take it wrong. But I'm going to risk it anyway. No, I'm, oh, I'll slav it from now on again. Anyway, listen. I've always witnessed in season, I'm sure we're evangelicals, we try, if somebody presents us with, we do our best. At least we've got a testimony, haven't we? You know, surely we've got a testimony if we can't say anything else. Well, anyway, I had a period about three years ago where I stopped witnessing altogether. I must have been in a backslidden state. Uh, You know, I just lost it altogether. And one day, I was on the phone to a sister in this church. You'd be wondering, who is this? I'm not going to tell you. A sister in this church, and she was telling me how she's witnessing to her neighbours. And, 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 uh, and she's very forthright when she witnesses to them. She tells them straight, you shouldn't be blaspheming and all that, you know. Uh, very brave. And, and yet the, the, she lives on her own. Uh, the neighbours love her, you know, and help her. Uh, and, and, and I thought to myself, she hadn't been a believer as long as me, and here I am doing nothing. And it got me fired up like I've never been fired up. And I started in earnest. I've witnessed every. I've witnessed to the doctor. I've witnessed to the pharmacy. I've I've witnessed to the dentist. I've given. Uh, I forgot how many of these I've given out with tracts. Uh, and uh, I've, where I go from here is in two different places. Give the young lady. The, you know, witness there. Uh, I've witnessed out walking to people. I've witnessed when I'm gardening and some. And, and it's like becoming. I don't think about it. I just go into that gear, you know, and witness. And, uh, and, and so on and so on. I witnessed in the supermarket, you know, if I can't witness to that or something. Oh, and then the other day I thought, uh, I've never witnessed at the garage. I don't mean your garage, because I did. Because <laughs> I, was, I was at uh, uh, Paul's garage and I was sitting in the sun waiting for him to change my tyres. And there come uh, a young, uh, not a young, a man come past going into the garage. I thought he's a pleasant bloke. So when he come out, I went and had a chat to him and he received it with tracks. And then a bit later on, like a Chinese girl come. And I thought, ooh. And I, she spoke, and I thought, oh, she's pleasant. So I went to her, and uh, I, said, I said, are you Christian? No, she said, I'm, I'm uh, a buddy. I said, well, never mind, you know. And I don't, <laughs> so that was that. So, so I, I, where have my tyres? And I'm going on a bit too long. And I'm sorry, no. Uh, and I thought, well, I've never witnessed where I had a puncture. So I went and witnessed there, you know. So, and so now when, when, when COVID came... Of course, as you know, Norma and I didn't continue coming to church. Being a bit older, David said, we shall understand you're more prone to pick this thing up, you know. So, and I thought, well, what are we going to do now? And I thought, well, we're having, we're having Tesco coming. So what a golden opportunity, you know, coming to, coming to the door delivering food. And sometimes they come in twos because they train somebody. So, and I've got, I keep asking, Lord, make me more effective, you know. And the wonderful thing about, about these uh, Gospel of John's, you know, at the back, it, it, I don't know if you've ever looked at them, they've got tucks of them in the church. It, it shows you the way of salvation and how to, how to go about it. So anyway, I started witnessing to them, and, and Mao cops up, up in view from our front door, and I said, see that hill up there? 62 years ago, my life was changed from an aggressive, drinking young man and, and you know, I said, and you might wonder why I'm telling you this, me. Uh, and, and I said, but the reason is, when I was wayward and didn't understand, somebody pointed me to Christ, and that's why I'm doing it. And, and so that was that. So I've continued to do that. I, I caught the post lady. I talked to her. I caught the man who comes clean the windows. I caught to him. And, um, and then we had to have a, a bay window fitted. 
Er komen een man te measuren. Er komen twee men te fitten en twee men te fitten een big blind. En zo was vijf mensen op verschillende occasions, witness to all of them. And, and, you know, but sometimes your witness isn't always they come a bloke <laughs> connect the washing machine oh he was a miserable bloke an uh, older bloke and <laughs> he come with an apprentice and the apprentice seemed scared of him you know so uh, I thought well here's the opportunity so I said I just want to tell you something about the Christian gospel and so they said I had two religious parents I did you know so I said well I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus well where's they from That's how he spoke broadly. I said, well, he was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And where was he before that? <laughs> I never, never encountered him. I said, well, he was in the glory with God the Father. Well, where's he from? <laughs> I, said, I said, he always was. The Bible says he has no beginning and no end. Oh, and he took the letters off and he went. <laughs> so that, but yeah. So now I've got a text here. And it's out of, it's out of um, Proverbs chapter 27. Iron sharpeneth iron, and a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Now the reason I've told you all that, bearing in mind what Jesus said in, John, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, do not do your arms before men, you know, to be seen of men. And it appears that I'm doing that. You know, look at me, I'm, I'm witnessing. But I have a reason behind it. And, and in my case, uh, iron sharpens iron, but a woman sharpened my countenance. And I'm doing it for the same reason that the lady did to me, to sharpen me up. And there might be some of you among them have never witnessed for ages. We're in the last of the last days. And we need to do what we can. To tell people. Somebody told you. Somebody helped you. And, and that's what, what we need to do. And so I started to think, well, what can we do about the situation? We're not doing it. I mean, we've got a woman. I very often think we're sitting in church and just across the road, there are people sitting in their houses. And if you went and asked them what the gospel was, they wouldn't have a clue. Now, isn't that sad? In a country that used to send missionaries all over the world. And I started thinking. I thought, well... We all know God hasn't changed. He never changes. Uh, and in uh, Malachi 3.6, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not, con not, not consumed. That means he's long-suffering towards us, you know. And, and, and God has said he'd have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of God. So I, I thought about that. And then I thought, well... He's the God of the impossible. I can tell you places, and I'm sure you can, in the scriptures where he talks about being... For instance, in Jeremiah 32, he says, I am the God of all flesh. Twice he said, nothing is too hard for me. So therefore, anything we ask him, we know he's capable of, of, of delivering it. And then I started thinking at what I read in Isaiah. In four places in Isaiah... It says, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Four, words to that effect, four times. And I thought, well, is God looking for intercessors? What is an intercessor? Well, I'm sure you know, but I'll tell you in case. An intercessor is one who prays for someone who doesn't think it's necessary to pray for, pray for themselves. And you intercede to God on their behalf. And we can also do it for the nation. And Ezekiel chapter 22 said, 
I look for a man to make up the edge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And don't you think our nation's under the judgment of God? Dr. Martin Luther uh, Jones, Dr. Martin Luther, it is Jones, isn't it? Uh, uh, the great Bible teacher of last century, he wrote a book, A Nation Under Condemnation. And I, I, and, and I think that if God was looking for intercessors when God's people moved away from him in them days, surely when God sees the nation how it is today, is he wondering why his people are rising up and claiming the promises of God and asking him to do something about it? But the thing is, and I'm sure you know, nothing comes easy in God's economy. He's, he doesn't deal with flippant, oh, I forgot to pray for this today, or I forgot to pray for God move on the name. No, he's looking for consistency. That's why... Just, well, just, well, just turn to Luke chapter 18. I'm not, not going to go into a long discussion on this. Just have a quick look there. Luke 18. I did say 18, I think. And just look at the... Just, I'll just, just hold that for a minute there. You've, you've got that ready. Uh, now we say we, we, we're in the last of the last days. What are, what's the evidence that we're in the last days? Well, we look to prophecy. We look to fulfilled prophecy. A major fulfilled prophecy is uh, Israel in 1948. Made a nation in 19... Unique in all the nations of the world, as far as I know. They're, they're separated from their own land for over 2,000 years, would you believe? And yet, and they're still coming back. You know, they're still coming back into that. But they've had four major wars in that time, four real wars, and they've been outnumbered twenty to one. They've had, uh, 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 you know, uh, the, the war I just want to, to, to say about is the sixty-seven war. They've got the Egyptians in the south. They've got the Syrians in the north. They've got the um, Jordanians in the east. And so they, they were outnumbered, outclassed. They got Russian advisors, Russian tanks, and within six days they pushed the they pushed the Egyptians right back to the Suez Canal. They took the gun emplacements up on the on the heights where the Syrians had been firing down for years. They pushed the Jordanians back and took land off them. But the most remarkable thing that happened then was up to that point they'd only got control. Of the, of the western part of Jerusalem. But they, 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 they now have control of all of Jerusalem. And Luke 21, 24 says, it says, And Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And you know, it, the Gentiles have been in Jerusalem since Nebuchadnezzar attacked them in, in B.C. 600. And that's a major prophecy come true. Not only that, there's the rise of anti-Semitism across the world. That's another thing that they said would happen. And people are hating the Jews more than ever. And and, and so, you know, that, that, them, them, uh, the other thing I wanted to say was, the Orthodox Jews have got the cornerstones to build the Millennial Temple. 
They've got the artifacts in place. They've appointed the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders. You read about them in the New Testament, don't you? The Sanhedrin. Uh, and they, I've heard that they're breeding the red effer in America. Farms breeding the red effer for the sacrificial services. So, you know, that's a sign. But the thing is, it might be another 50 years before Jesus comes back. The temple's got to be built first. It might be longer than that. So what do we do? Do we sit on our hands and do nothing? Or do we take the promises of God and appeal to the, the God who can do anything and be consistent in our appeal to him that we might see God come down and the ways he's done down through history. I've got lots of, lots of books on revival. If you ever want, well, there's been all sorts of mighty works, but it's always started with God's people. It's never come about just like that. So as we look at uh, Luke 18, just, just read it quickly. And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men always ought to pray and not to faint. Seeing that there was in a city a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversaries, and he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry unto him day and night uh, unto him, though he bear long with you with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Now, I, want, I just want <laughs> I just want to just say a bit of something, uh, and I know I've spoken about it before, but. Uh, you do know, I've told you before, that whenever I read anything, I go to the source of it to see it's in Christian circles. The source of it, I've been down to the 1904 revival in Wales. I've got a picture in the pulpit. <laughs> no, no, that matters. But within 10 months, 100,000 people turned to the Lord. And it was such a, made such a mark on Wales that the magistrates were given white gloves and that's symbolic of no cases to try. Now can you imagine? 70,000 uh, th- um, crimes going on in this country. Can you imagine? No crimes to try. Well that's what happened in Wales because people sought God. And so I just like and, and I've, I've been other places also I won't go into that but I just like briefly and, and you'll have to bear with me because I bet I'm going on and on. I don't know how long I'm going. But can I just tell you just a little bit about the Hebrides revival? The reason I, I think on this is I was able to meet the converts and say, has this been exaggerated? That's my purpose in going, you know. And I found the truth of it, you know. And it started in, in, in the outer Hebrides, 70 miles across the water. And it's a rough passage sometimes. And I've been there twice. And... It started with just ordinary people like us, and it was in the Church of Scotland. But there's the, church, there's the Presbyterian Church, and there's the Weefries. I think they're a breakaway from the, the Presbyterian. But they consider themselves more, more uh, godly than the Church of Scotland. But it was the Church of Scotland that sought God, and they started in earnest, and they were, and they they started uh, quoting scripture. 
And one scripture was in Isaiah 62, I have set watchmen on thy walls, O Jerusalem, and will never hold their peace day or night. You that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent, give him no rest or peace until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise upon the earth. And they were saying, Lord, this is our Jerusalem. So they, they decided, they had the two-hour church prayer meeting every week, and they decided that on, on, on Tuesday and on Friday they were going to uh, pray uh, till the early hours of the morning on one subject, and that was for God to come and do something about the situation. And the men met in a barn. I'm not going to enter that. I could tell you about that. About six or seven men with a minister. They met in a barn. And uh, two old ladies in their 80s, one was blind, one was bent double with arthritis. They met in their little, poor little cottage. I took a photograph of it, but I've lost where I put it. I'm ashamed to say. Uh, and they started in earnest. And they made a covenant with God. They said they were, they were going to stick to it, no matter how long it took. Now you imagine, in this church, starting like that. And you go one month, nothing. You go two months, nothing. Three months, nothing. Four months, nothing. Five months, nothing. Six months. And in the barn, and I met the deacon. Young deacon he was then. He was old enough. They were kneeling in the barn... And the deacon opened the Bible at Psalm 24. And he read, who, will ascend, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to vanity or sworn deceitfully. And he said to you, he said, brethren, what is the point of us praying like... And remember, they've been doing it six months into the earth, working men. What is the point of it? If our hands are not clean and our hearts are not pure. And at that moment, God's spirit came down upon them and flattened them on the floor of the barn. I've inquired about it. I know it's happened. And the other remarkable thing, that very night, the blind lady, two to two, three miles away, praying with her sister, had a vision. And in the vision... She saw the church filled with people, particularly young, because young people, they weren't interested. Young people trying to get in. And she said, God has spoken. And, uh, and, and, and in the vision, uh, the Lord spoke to her and, and told her to send for Duncan Campbell, the faith mission evangelist. So she sent for the parish minister the next morning. He came, great respect for these ladies. And... Uh, they uh, told, told the parish mason he went, he contacted Duncan Campbell and Duncan Campbell couldn't come he said he, he got appointments to, and he, he put it on his calendar for next year so they came back to the old lady and she said imagine in a blind eye that is what Manus said God has said otherwise and he'll be here within a fortnight and Duncan Campbell was thinking about this and he thought there's something different about it. He's a godly man. Uh, the spirit was allowing him to think. He said, I must go. So he got on the ferry. He went across, he says, and he got there about half eight at nine o'clock. I don't know whether it was Saturday night. And he was met by two officials for the church. He said, first thing they said to me, Mr. Campbell, are you walking with God? That's the first thing they said. And he said, well, I can say that I fear God. Well, would you, we've got, we've got uh, supper for you in the manse, but would you mind just coming to the church? There's some people there, just, just addressing the people. So he went, 
and he stood in the pulpit, and there's about 200 people there in the parish church. And he, he, he said a few, you know, preached a little bit, and, and he said the singing was good, and uh, all that, he said, and nothing more than that, nothing, nothing any different. He said, like, he came down from the pulpit, and this young deacon met him. Now, people were starting to go out of the church at that point, and the young deacon uh, said, Mr. Campbell, I hope you are not disappointed that God hasn't broken through this night, because I'm telling you now, he's hovering over this parish, and he's going to break through at any time. And he went down on his knees in the aisle of the church, so people are going out, and he said, Lord, you cannot fail us, you will not fail us, Lord, you cannot fail us. And Mr. Campbell said, Next thing, people were coming back into the church. And instead of 200 people, there was 500 people. The church was that packed. Nobody could explain what brought them back in. They just felt, you know, he came in. And they said to Mr. Khan, will you go up in the pulpit? He said, so he went up in the pulpit and he tried to preach. But there was such, there was such, people were crying. People were under such, such uh, guilt of sin. He says there was people on the pulpit steps. There was a, a teacher behind me, lying prostrate on the floor. Hell is too good for me, Lord. And he said that it went on till two o'clock in the morning. And a lot of people you could do nothing with them. When when the spirit of God comes down like that, you you really know. <laughs> and anyway, finally, when they went out of the church at two two o'clock in the morning. Uh, and there was a big crowd around the police station and he was a godly praying man and people were asking him the way of salvation. Next morning, you wouldn't see a farmer in the field. You wouldn't hear a loom going. You'd walk down the road and the people like sitting in, in the edge bank under deep conviction. You, you talk to them, you couldn't help them. They were under such deep conviction. And that's how it started. And it went on for five or six weeks, gradually moving up the island and moving up the island. Uh, and I'll just tell you one more thing because I know I'm going on the old ladies wanted to see Mr Campbell so he went to their little little house and she said Mr Campbell she said um, I, was, I, I, was, I was having a conversation with the Lord this morning and he told me that just up the island there are men who are denying the very existence of God and I'm concerned about it, she says. So I, I started to ask the Lord about it, and he said, he's got seven men up there, that, uh, and this is how she described it, who are going to be stalwarts in the church of my fathers. So she said, uh, oh, Mr. Campbell, uh, oh, Mr. Campbell said, well, I've no leadings to go there, Peggy. Now, this is a top evangelist, an experienced man. And the blind lady said to me, Mr. Campbell, if you were living nearer to the Lord... He would reveal his secrets to you also. And the Bible's full of places that God doesn't listen to the proud. He listens to the humble. Uh, 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 that, that's the type of person that he listens to, you know. And he went, uh, so he said, well, Peggy, can we pray together? And, then, and so he prayed together. And this is how she prayed. She said, Lord, she said, you know that conversation I had with you this morning about these seven men. If you fail... To fulfil your promise to me, however, am I going to trust you again? And Mr. Campbell said afterwards, what language in the presence of God. You can imagine the angels leaning over the battlements and saying, there's a child of faith. And he says, I went to that village, three, three ministers there before me, great crowd of people. 
I was in the open air, started to preach. The spirit of conviction came down. And somebody's come to Mr. Callum and said, Mr. Callum, can you say something more comforting? And he looked to his left and down in a hollow were seven, seven, Peggy's seven men on the knees, breaking the heart. And I got to know two of them. Now I could go on and go on. Uh, uh, more interesting, uh, just as interesting, but I know well enough to know. I'm dry in the mouth. So thank you for being patient. But that's what... The reason I read that passage in, in Luke 18 is the Lord gives you the indication you've got to persevere, you know. The, the unjust judge, he wasn't interested in it, but that woman kept going to him. Same in, in Luke 11, just the same thing, going for the bread at midnight. And that's the pattern of praying that the Lord's trying to get over to us. That when we start something, you know, and that I wonder about starting could we, could we uh, have a Friday night at home where we'd have a set time, like 7 o'clock or up seven, and pray for half an hour on our own or with a, with a wife and a, for, for, that God would do something about the nation and, and revive the church, you know, and do that. But you'd have to have the promises of God before you, you know. You, you couldn't pray for half an hour. You need to know where these promises are and remind the Lord of them. And then perhaps a, uh, monthly or bi-monthly on a Friday we could come together and we can pray together on the same theme, one theme, nothing else, and see. And, and, you, know, and you know, can you remember when Bob Davis was here then, of you? Yeah, man, Bob, he started us fasting and praying. I'm finishing with this, guaranteed to finish with it. He started us fasting and praying. We had three days of prayer and fasting. I thought, however we're going to do that, you know. From half past eight in the morning to half past five at night, uh, spread out through the year. And, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, it was really organised how he did it, but uh, people would come and go. Some would come for two sessions, and then, but some stayed all day. And then... Uh, and, and that happened three times and, and when we were having a break we were having a drink of water or orange juice keeping the conversation to what we were praying for and then on the last the last time uh, we had Sunday night in the old building I come downstairs and the place was filled with people and I didn't know half of them and I thought well who's, who's invited them you know and, I, and, and then things started to happen and uh, Jeff who's in the glory now, Elaine's Jeff, he was the treasurer, he went to the bank opposite the traffic lights, and they said, what's going on at your church? And Jeff says, what do you mean? He says, seems a lot of people coming and in, in front. And then, the old, that building opposite the doors of the church was where Russell and Jill lived, and they, they saw all these people, and one Sunday morning they said, Russ, let's go across. And they came across, and that was their conversion. And Kath... Eric isn't here, is he? Eric's former wife, Kath, uh, who's in the glory now, used to keep records. And with a period of two years, she recorded 45 people uh, repenting and coming to faith in Christ and being baptised. Now, that's a fact. And that's what happens when we seek God earnestly. He's still on the throne. And he's just as concerned about this country as anybody else. And, and that's it. So we'll sing his last day. Policies.